0: I love the beach. Seriously, it's one of my favorite things. It's actually something my wife and I share, is this love for the beach. Like, our idea of an amazing vacation is to find a beach somewhere, preferably not in Minnesota, right, and just go to the beach and just sit and relax, right? There's nothing better than that, just sitting in the sun, you get the sun coming down, you get the sound of the ocean, you know, the smell, it's just so peaceful, You know what's even better than that? When you get to go to the beach and you don't have to bring your kids. I mean, I love my kids with everything in me, but this past March, Amber and I got to leave our kids home and take a vacation for the first time in years. And we got to sit by the beach and you know what happened? Nobody asked us for anything. It was awesome. It was so peaceful, right? I love that feeling. I've had that same feeling when I've gone to the mountains. You know, I've gone to the mountains in Colorado or Arizona. You get up high in the mountains, you know, and it's just quiet and it's calm. It's just so peaceful. Maybe you've had that experience going out to the country, you know, where it's just a little quieter. There isn't the the hustle and the bustle of life, and it's just peaceful. Or maybe you've had it late at night where you've gone out and you've laid and looked at the stars, and it's quiet, and it's just felt so peaceful, right? We love that kind of experience, but but how many of you know at some point you got to go back to the real world? you got to go back to the normal life and the normal stress and the busyness and the frustrations and feeling overwhelmed and all that kind of stuff, and it feels anything but peaceful. What I want to ask this morning, is it possible to experience that peace that we feel in those amazing places? Is it possible to feel that in the middle of our daily lives? Or maybe I would ask the question this way, how do we move from a circumstantial peace that's based on the circumstances to an abiding peace, right? I don't think that there's a better time for us to talk about this than right now. I mean, Amber and I are having conversations almost on a daily basis with people that are, that are feeling overwhelmed and stressed out and struggling with life, and they feel anything but peace. And maybe that's you right now. That's where you're at in your world. The passage of scripture we're going to look at today, Paul addresses this head on. And he says, listen, you want to experience that kind of abiding peace? I'm going to tell you what it looks like. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 4. Philippians 4.4, 4. while you're turning there, just a reminder, we're in our Bible reading plan. Make sure if you've kind of fallen off, jump right back in. But we're also challenging everyone to memorize a passage of Scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 all the way through 11. Last week I gave you verse 10. This week I'm giving you your very last verse, verse number 11. So if you've been following on to do that, if you haven't taken the time to memorize it, we're going to be preaching for a few more weeks in this series. And so I would encourage you, take the step to memorize that passage, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Uh, but I want to read this passage to you. Beginning in verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. This morning we say we need your promises like never before. We take hold of them today, we pray in your name, amen, amen. Well, before we dive into this passage here, and there's just so much good stuff here for us, I want to remind us a little bit of the book of Philippians. Remember, we got the book of Philippians written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing a group of believers. He started this church, right? He he built this church up. He invested in them. He had a close relationship with them. And now he is awaiting trial before the emperor in Rome. And he's writing letters to some of these churches that he planted just to encourage them in their faith, to challenge them because they're experiencing persecution. And that's where the Philippian church is at. They're, They're experiencing persecution. And he's trying to encourage them to speak life into them, to lift them up during this time. What I love about Paul's letters when you read them is usually the first half is a little theological. You know, he a lot of times gives some ideas and some principles and those kind of things. But the back half of his letters are really practical. He's usually like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And this is where we're at right here. It's as if Paul is going to say to you, listen, you want abiding peace? You want to be- experience peace in the midst of the chaos that you're living right now, right? You want peace that can weather any storm you would face? Do this. That's what we're going to look at. And so I would challenge you to take some notes this morning because these are some things you need to get a hold of, all right? Point number one is this. Paul would say this. Find your joy in the Lord. Do you want to experience peace? Find your joy in the Lord. Don't find your joy in other things. Find your joy in the Lord. Look what it says in verse four. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I know what you're saying. That sounds like a really just churchy thing to say. Rejoice, just rejoice in the Lord always. But I love how Paul says this. he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm gonna say it again, because I don't think you're listening, right? This isn't just the thing I'm saying. Rejoice, all right? Rejoice in the Lord always. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? It means this, too: find your joy in the Lord. Paul would say this, don't, don't rejoice in your circumstance. Don't find your joy in your circumstances, why? Because they aren't gonna be good. They aren't always gonna be what you want them to be, right? Don't rejoice in your status or your achievements, because as good as you think you are right now, Sometimes you're going to fail. And if your hope is in there, good luck, right? See, listen, don't rejoice in the stuff. We all love the stuff, but guess what? The thing you just bought is going to be in the garbage next year, right? Don't rejoice in that stuff. Don't find your joy in that stuff. It's not going to last. Don't even find your joy in temporal relationships. Why? Because people are going to fail you. This isn't always going to be the way you want it to be. If you're looking for your joy in relationships, it's gonna end sometimes, right? He says, rejoice in the Lord. How do we rejoice in the Lord? What does it look like to rejoice in the Lord, to find our joy in the Lord? It's to find your joy in who he is and what he's done. See, this is the reason why we worship On a regular basis, every Sunday we gather to to rejoice in the Lord, to remind ourselves of how good he is, to remind ourselves of what he has done for us, to rejoice in him because as we do that, it fixes our eyes in the right place. Paul said this, you wanna experience peace in your life? Find your joy in the Lord. So remember who Paul's talking to. He's talking to people kind of like us that are experiencing hard stuff, right? And these believers, they're specifically experiencing persecution, like true persecution. I, for, for us, it's very easy to say, oh, we're being persecuted. We have to wear masks and we have to do these things. And listen, that's not persecution. These guys, their lives are on the line. There are believers all around the world right now that are literally putting their lives on the line. That's some persecution, right? But he's saying this, listen, listen. even though you're experiencing the hard stuff, like even though you're questioning, is this even worth it? You know, last week we even said, Paul came to them and said, listen, you might be questioning, but you need to need to be reminded that Jesus is returning. He's on the throne. There is hope for you. Don't get discouraged. But really, we're supposed to rejoice? Like, I understand I'm not going to give up, but am I supposed to rejoice? And Paul would say, yeah, yeah. Even in the garbage, even in the hard stuff, even when things don't go the way you want them to go, how, how do you rejoice? You rejoice in the Lord because he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today. And forever, he is the one that you can rely on. He is the firm foundation that we plant ourselves. This is the root of joy in our lives, is who God is, what he has done. There's a commentary on the book of Philippians by Gordon Fee, and I want to read a passage to you. He talks about this specifically. He says this, joy, unmitigated, untrammeled joy is, or at least it should be, the distinctive mark of the believer in Christ Jesus. The wearing of black and the long face and the somber attitude which so often can typify some of the later expressions that we see in in church history about Christian piety are totally foreign to Paul's version. Paul is the theologian of grace. He is equally the theologian of joy. Christian joy does not come and go with one's circumstances. Rather, it is predicated altogether on one's relationship with the Lord and is thus an abiding, deeply spiritual quality of life. See, this is what Paul is saying. Listen, you want to experience peace that endures? You want that kind of thing? The kind that can endure the storms of life? Then it must be rooted in one thing that never changes. You must root it in God himself. You want peace? It must be grounded in him. Find your joy in the Lord. Seek him. This is the starting point. But we get to number two in the notes. And it's simply this. Display gentleness. Display gentleness. Look what it says in verse number five. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This word gentleness, it it literally means more like gentle forbearance, this this self-control, this ability to be under control, right? And this might seem hard to you because at times when the pressure comes, when things get difficult, it's really hard to have a gentle forbearance, to have this under-control attitude, to stay self-controlled, right? Especially when things get chaotic in life. What Paul is trying to say though is if your roots are different, if you are rooted and your joy is in God himself, if your roots are different, your fruit should be different. The way you respond should look different than everybody else, Right? See, these believers that he's talking to, they were under pressure. They were experiencing great pressure. And Paul's saying, how should you respond? Here's the deal. You shouldn't respond like everybody else does. Like when you're enduring this kind of stuff, you shouldn't look like the world looks. You should look different. You shouldn't have a short fuse. No, there should be a a gentleness about you. You shouldn't be freaking out like everybody else does, right? You shouldn't be reacting like everybody else does. You should display gentleness. Now, here's the problem. All of us know Christians, all of us do, who who freak out worse than unbelievers. I'm sure you could think of somebody right now. You're like, they call themselves a Christian, but they are freaking out all the time, right? Let's be real. Sometimes we are those Christians. Sometimes we aren't the ones showing this gentleness, right? Now, sometimes it occurs from just like the normal frustrations of life. I'm gonna tell you a story because it makes me look bad and hopefully will make you feel better. Uh, just this past week, this was an experience that I had. I, I walked, I walked in the room. We got, a, we got one of our kids, our, our fourth grader, who's going into fifth grade. And I would say he's hitting that point where he thinks he knows everything, right? And, and he's got everything under control, and he's given us a little bit of an attitude about things. And I, I come downstairs, and Amber had just had an encounter with him. And she's just like, I'm so frustrated with him. I can't stand it. I just like, Ugh, uh, uh." And I, and I, you know, because I'm so mature in my faith, you know, I'm just like, Amber. Amber. You need to have a gentle forbearance about this, you know. You know, give him some grace, you know. I mean, I'm being all super spiritual, and I'm being an idiot, let's be honest. And, and I'm trying to say these kind of things. And I, I say this, and I literally walk out of the door. And, and I go, and I, and I come to, to Levi, and I ask him to do something, right? And he gives me that same attitude, that same whatever. And in the moment, I just begin, I'm like, no, and I'm, and I'm giving it to him. I'm like, you do not talk to me that way. This is not how we respond in our home. I'm doing all this kind of stuff. None of the gentle forbearance, right? And I, and I get done, and I walk back into the room where, where Amber's at, and she just busts out laughing at me, right? And, and I start laughing at myself because I'm like, I literally just did what I told you not to do, you know? And this is how life is. And the, the goodness of God and the, the glory of this faith thing is that it's a journey and there is grace for us in the journey. And we have these moments where we, we fail. But, but the question is, what about those, those real pressures in life, those, those real moments when, when we want to give up, when the pressures of life cause us to want to give in? Like, how are we supposed to have a gentleness? How are we supposed to operate in these types of seasons with a sense of gentleness, Right? I think there's a promise in here that'll speak to it. Look at the rest of the verse. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. See, the type of gentleness Paul is talking about, I think it demands us being grounded in the reality of the nearness of God. That God is near to us, right? I love Psalm 23, maybe you've heard it before. I love this section where it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you will meet me on the other side. That's not what it says. It says, for you are with. You walk with me. See, this is the the promise that we have as followers of Christ is that God walks through the hard stuff with. He goes through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death. He walks with us. And if that is true, if the Lord truly is near to us, then we should live differently. We shouldn't be operating with just this reactionary way as everybody else does, freaking out about everything. There should be a gentleness about the way that we respond. You see, I think the greatest witness that you and I are ever gonna have is not some sermon that we're gonna preach, which is good because a lot of you don't preach sermons. I think the greatest thing we ever, the greatest witness we ever have will be when the pressure is at its hardest that we respond with gentleness, with faith, with joy. See, the world is desperately needing people to live like that. And I believe this is what God is calling us to, display gentleness. We get to point number three, though, and I think this is the most practical for us, and I want you to write this one down. It's this, Paul would say this, shape your worries into prayers. Shape your worries into prayers. Look what it says in verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, There's so much in this verse, I I can't even dig into all of this, but, but let's just take a moment here. It starts with, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Now that's a hard thing because, to be honest, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of things that we could be anxious about. There's a lot of things that we could worry about. And Paul's saying we have a tendency to just hold on to our anxiety, to hold on to our worries, to hold on to our fears. Don't do that. I got to hit pause here for a second because I do understand something. That there are some that are watching here that, that anxiety is something that you struggle with. It's beyond just a normal anxiety. There are issues of mental health that maybe you struggle with. And I understand that. I've got some close personal friends who deal with this and, and just telling you, just, just pray harder, just believe harder. That isn't always the solution because there are some significant issues that people are struggling with. But I don't want the issues that some of us deal with to be an excuse for the rest of us because I think a lot of us can operate in the same way that we operate in our anxiety. We hold on to it. We grip to it. We, do, we don't let go of it. And Paul's saying, listen, don't be anxious about everything. In every situation, Everything that you go through, the good, the bad, the hard, the easy, whatever it is, I want, you to, I want you to shape your worries into prayers. I love the message translation. That's where I got this from. It says this in the message. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let's be honest. How often do we really do that? Do we take the thing that we're worrying about and actually convert it into a prayer immediately? So I think oftentimes we instead, we shape our stress into worry. We shape our stress, and we have the stresses come, and we say, oh, no, I'm going to worry about this now. And, and that worry will produce other worries, and we're birthing worry after worry, and, and suddenly we can get to the point where we are so paralyzed by all these things that we're worried about. And let's just be honest, a lot of times we're worrying about things that we have absolutely no control over. We can't do anything to impact it, but we're sitting there just holding on to our worries, gripping onto it with everything that we've got, Right? We're so desperately de- desiring peace in our lives, and yet we're clinging to the very thing that is robbing the peace of God from us, right? This is where we live. And see, the, the, the beautiful thing of God is that he is so patient with us and gracious with us. And we would say, well, God, God must be frustrated by this. No, no, no. You want to hear what God has to say to you in these moments? You say, listen, listen. Would you just shape those things, just? It's, you can you can use it, but use it a different way. Rather than holding on it, can you shape that worry into a prayer? Would you turn that to me? Because it's so crazy that, that there's things that we have no control over, and yet we hold on to them. And he's saying, listen, wouldn't it be better to at least put it in my hands? Because I can do something for you, right? I can meet your need there, right? The heart of God just cares so deeply for you. This is what it says in First Peter. He says, Cast your anxiety, your worries, your burdens, cast them onto God. Why? Because He cares for you. We don't always act like it, but he desperately cares for you. I love this passage in, in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking. And he tells this. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Hear that. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? See, Paul is saying the same thing Jesus said. Listen, don't worry about it. Don't hold on to your worry. Instead, shape your worries into prayers. Put those things that you maybe don't even have control of, would you put them into his hands? Entrust them to him. Why? Because he cares for you deeply. So we get to the end of the passage. We get to verse number seven. Here's what it says. It says, and the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I want to end this this message here this morning by getting to our big so what. We always ask the question, so what? What's the point of this thing? What am I challenging to do? Here it is. It's this, let God fight for your peace. Let God fight for your peace. Listen, circumstantial peace is great. We love it. We love it when everything works out, when we're sitting on the beach or we're in the mountains or everything in our life is just the perfect way and we get that brief moment of peace. We love that, but here's the truth. It won't last. We all know it. Something's getting out of place. It just is. Life is like cleaning a house with a 2-year-old in the home, okay? If you know what that's like, you walk around, you clean a room, you leave, clean another room and come back and that room has already been destroyed. That's how life is. We're so we're trying to get everything just spinning just the right way like, "Ah, oh, hit pause. Can I hit pause in life?" Guess what? There's no pause in life. It is a d- dynamic experience. It's always shifting. And if our Peace only comes because the circumstances are right. We are in trouble. What we need is an abiding peace that can endure no matter what the circumstances are. And hear this, abiding peace comes as a gift from God. You see, peace isn't a finish line that you run at. It's the result of putting yourself in the right position. And when you do that, God will fight for your peace. What does it say? It says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. See, what does that mean? This, this idea of guarding is really this idea of a garrison. Do you know what a garrison is? To garrison something means to to place a guard around it, an armed guard, to place troops around something. So you might garrison a fort, you might garrison a home or some area, whatever, that you're trying to protect. You know, you put troops around there that are going to fight and do battle on your behalf. And see, this is what God is saying. Like, when we find our joy in the Lord, when our hope and our joy is in Him, right, When we begin to respond differently than everybody else and instead of freaking out all the time, we begin to display this gentle forbearance, this gentleness, right? And when when we begin to get to this point where we, instead of holding on to our worries, we shape our worries into prayer, constantly placing them in his hands. When we do these things, God sends a garrison around your heart and your mind. He protects you. He guards you. He gives you a peace, not because the circumstances are right, but because he is protecting you. He is fighting for you. And see, this is how we're able to have peace in the hard stuff. And I love this part of the scripture where it says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It's beyond understanding. You can't can't figure it out. It's it's the kind of of peace that doesn't make sense. It's going to guard you. See, this is what the world, it it, it craves. I think this is what the witness that we can have that can be so powerful. When we're in the midst of storms, not because life is good, but because God is good, that we can experience a peace that comes from God, a gift from God in the midst of the storms. I know some of you have experienced that. I've experienced that in my own life. The times when it doesn't make sense to have a peace, and yet I do. Why? Because we put ourselves in the position to receive it. We allow God to fight on our behalf. Maybe you struggle, struggle to experience this in your own life. You know what I would bet? I would bet a few things. I would bet that you're looking for your joy in other places. I would bet that rather than displaying gentleness, you're just freaking out like everybody else does. You react like everyone else does. You forget that the Lord is near. The Lord is with you in the midst of it. And I would guess that rather than shaping your worries into prayers, you're just holding on to those things. My challenge for every one of us is that we would put ourselves in a position to receive the gift of peace from our God, that he would garrison our hearts and our minds. You see, peace is just like salvation. We talk about the gospel all the time. The gospel says what it means that we put ourselves in the right position, that we can't earn our salvation, but if we will put ourselves in the right position, we can receive the gift of salvation, right? If we would submit our lives to Christ, if we would lay ourselves down, acknowledge Him as our Lord, acknowledge Him as our Savior, we can receive the gift of salvation. You see, peace is exactly the same way. We can't strive after it. We can't try and achieve peace. We just have to put ourselves in the right position to receive it. Now, I love, I love baseball. Love playing. I'm so excited. Baseball's back. Love watching baseball. Love playing baseball. One of my favorite things in baseball is to shag fly balls. You know what I mean? Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's so fun when you just go out in the outfield. I love playing the infield, whatever. But it's fun when somebody's just hitting you fly balls. You just run around trying to shag fly balls, run around diving for balls, doing all this kind of stuff. But something you know when you're trying to shag a fly ball, when you're trying to catch fly balls, you can't go get that ball, right? It's not like you're going to jump up and you know 50 feet in the air and you can catch that thing. No. You've got to just put yourself in the position, right? What's the first thing you do? You've got to make sure your eyes are in the right place. You're looking at the right thing, right? And you've got to get your glove. Make sure your glove's good and open. You don't want to have this thing partially. You've got to have it all the way open, right? You've got to move and put yourself in a position to receive the ball. Right? That's really what's going on. See, this is what it comes to peace, is, is if you want to experience, you want to receive the peace of God. This peace that's gonna garrison your heart and garrison your mind. You gotta put yourself in the right position. You gotta put yourself in a place where you receive it. And this is why he would say, listen, do these things. Paul's saying, listen, do these things. Put yourself in the right position so that you can experience peace no matter what the circumstance. And some of you feel that right now. You're feeling the burden of life and you're like, I wish I could experience peace. Stop going after peace. Start putting yourself in the right position. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I want us to pray for a moment. I want to pray over you that, that God would give us the courage to do what we need to do so that we can be in a position to receive what only he can give. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much. You've purchased so much for us. You've made so much available to us. We acknowledge that so often we're running off on our own, trying to figure things out on our own, but God, we, we acknowledge that we need you to work in this area of our lives. God, we live in a world where we desperately need peace. We desperately need uh, your spirit. We desperately need you to move in our lives. And God, right now I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help us to be those who, who find our joy in you, We look to you in every circumstance, that you would help us because of that to respond in gentleness and gentle forbearance and self-control in these times. And that God, when the challenges come, when the worries do come, instead of holding them, God, I pray that we would put them into your hands, entrusting them to you and believing you to work in our behalf, God. And Father, that your peace, the peace that doesn't make sense, would guard our hearts and our minds. Thank you for that, God. God, I pray for anybody who is just even never, never responded to faith, never responded to you. God, I pray right now you continue to stir in their hearts. God, I believe you are calling every one of us closer and closer to you. We thank you for that, God. I pray that in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I, I want to say this to some of you. Maybe you, you've not responded to Christ before. I, I believe that God may be speaking to your heart right now. Right now, wherever you're at, you're sensing the Holy Spirit calling you I wanna have an opportunity to connect with you. And so if you do something for me, pull out your email, pull out your phone, and just simply send an email to faith at zchurch.org, faith at zchurch.org. I'd love, just say, hey, I I wanna pursue Christ. I wanna know what it means to follow Christ. I would love the opportunity to connect with you and to help you on this journey of faith. Uh, But I've got a challenge for everybody, and it's simply this. Get in position to receive his peace. Get in position to receive his peace. This week, don't go after the peace Make sure you're getting in position so that God may garrison your heart and your mind to give you what you can't produce for yourself, what he can only give you in the midst of whatever circumstance. Listen, whatever you're facing, God wants to give this to you. Would you receive it? Let's close our time together as we take a moment to worship one more time, to to rejoice in the Lord, to, to remember and put our joy in the Lord.